Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Church in the Valley. Uh, like John said, we are really glad that you guys are here uh, to worship with us uh, today. Uh, we had rain, just in case people were trying to figure out what that was uh, last night or this morning. And so we're thankful to God for uh, the water that our land is going to get. Uh, but we are glad that, that you're here. We are in the middle of a series that we started last week called God and Politics. And we've decided to, given the, the current state of time, if you didn't know, we're in a, an election season. Not sure if you could miss it. It seems like it's everywhere uh, demanding our attention. Uh, but there's an approach that, that we want to take here, which is actually reflected uh, in the song that we just sang. And that is, God really is in everything. And a, a Christian decides that in every aspect of life, uh, we want him to be our reference point. Uh, we want him and his word to, to guide us. And so usually in the framework of normal thinking, uh, when you have politics and you have religion, it's usually like some sort of a recipe for disaster. Like if you mix a little bit of, of God in and religion and a little bit of politics, it's just kind of cooking under this heat that is eventually going to, to explode. And you may have grown up with that sentiment or just maybe that's your approach right now. Like it's just politics isn't something I really want to talk about especially at work or especially in my family, just because one little thing sets off a spark, which causes a, a huge explosion. The good news is we're actually not talking about religion and politics. We're talking about God and politics. And the reason that's important is because we really do need God to be the framework for how we go about thinking uh, in politics. Uh, the things that we support, the people that we rally behind, God really should be the center and in the middle of, of all of that. And so our approach uh, in this series is to uh, give some perspective of how we need God's help, why we need God's help, and at the same time also give us personal responsibility for the role that we play uh, during this time of year. What kind of citizens uh, should we be? Not only of this country, but if you're a Christ follower, what kind of a citizen are you supposed to be of the kingdom of God and how does that relate the citizen you are in this country as well. And so we're kind of going to be looking uh, at, at all of this. And so uh, hopefully uh, you're not going to experience this, but kind of experience just some perspective and some handles to, to think rightly uh, this, this time of year. Uh, we're in a place right now in, in our country that uh, we actually do need the Lord's help, just like every nation does. And like I mentioned, people who follow Christ really see God as the ultimate guide. They see him as in control. Uh, they see him as ultimately leading us in every aspect. And so really every person who decides to follow Christ is first and foremost should be looking at God to, to lead us in, in every aspect. And so that's really the approach uh, that we're coming through and coming from uh, today. Uh, there's a passage that I want to just give perspective, which is connected to what we talked about last week. And it's found in Isaiah uh, 40. And it says, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Now, the reason I want to read that is it puts into perspective what is temporary versus what, what lasts. And last week we talked about how we can't place our hope in the government in itself or any politician because just like all of us, 
uh, government is here and then it's gone. Uh, politicians are here and then they're gone. And ultimately, as you just read, the only thing that endures forever is God and his word, his, his guiding principles found in the scriptures. And so our role is to fix ourselves and fix our attention on the things that actually do last forever. Because if you just focus on the things that are temporary, you're chasing this thing that you can never catch. It's like a mirage in the distance. You can't quite get there. And so this is setting up really kind of this interesting focal point of how God and politics really meets in the middle. And that's the idea of we actually have to stick with what lasts forever. And that should be the lens in which we look through who we vote for, what we rally behind, and, and what ultimately we want to stand for. And so this is, this is why we need God and his help, because his word uh, stands forever. Now, you could be kind of like I was in a time where there's just the sense in which, you know, I want to kind of live my life and I want to do what I want to do. But this whole area of politics and everything is just something that I just kind of want to just put in a certain compartment. And depending on your interest in politics, uh, your kind of slice of life in politics could be really big. Like you may be really interested in staying up on everything. Uh, you may be just the person that just you really don't care for this season at all and you just want it to be over. However, if you decide to follow Christ, there is a certain amount of responsibility that we have in any election season. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, more principles and perspective of what, what the foundation of reality is. And then next week, we're going to talk about specifics of how are we supposed to interact and be involved. And so there's this idea that morality and God's presence in any culture is vital for its existence. And so our approach in this series is not only do we need to look for God for, for help, but God is the one that if we actually live according to his ways, things will go so much better. They will. I want to show a video briefly that, that highlights the need for morality and God's truth to exist in a society. Because this really is, is part of the reason why, why we talk about this. And so I'd like you to, to check this out. And uh, I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Let's, let's go ahead and show that. Some time ago, I had a conversation with a Marxist economist from China. He was coming to the end of a Fulbright Fellowship here in Boston. But I asked him if he had learned anything that was surprising or unexpected. And without any hesitation, he said, yeah. I had no idea how critical religion is to the functioning of democracy. The reason why democracy works, he said, is not because the government was designed to oversee what everybody does, but rather democracy works because most people, most of the time, voluntarily choose to obey the law. And in your past, most Americans attended a church or synagogue every week and they were taught there by people who they respected. My friend went on to say that Americans followed these rules because they had come to believe that they weren't just accountable to society, they were accountable to God. My Chinese friend heightened a vague but nagging concern I've harbored inside that as religion loses its influence over the lives of Americans, what will happen to our democracy? Where are the institutions that are going to teach the next generation of Americans?
demands that they too need to voluntarily choose to obey the laws. Because if you take away religion, you can't hire enough police. This, this premise here is, is, is crucial to what I'm going to be talking about the, the rest of the time. Because there's a part in, in all of our minds where we're not always sure exactly how religion or how God or how morality should fit within our society. But for the Christian, what we view and, and, and what we believe is, is crucial. And what this video is explaining is, is as soon as morality no longer exists, as soon as people just decide for themselves what they want to do or what is true or what is right, uh, any society and any culture and any government actually begins to get off course. The reason I bring that up is there's a part in all of us where today's culture is really tied to relativism. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but you may, if you're, you're in school, you may have heard of it. You may have kind of just picked up on it. But relativism is this. The doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, or historical context and are not absolute. Relativism is really kind of what we are sliding towards in our country, which is everyone can believe what they want to believe. And as long as you're sincere about it, it's okay. And you, you find that in different ways that that comes up. And it's just this idea of like everyone just decides for themselves what makes them happy. Uh, everyone decides for themselves uh, what's good, what's right. And part of what's happened in our country is there's been this sense of freedom. Everyone has freedom. And so everyone just chooses what they want to do. And, and that's actually true. But in any case, freedom still has boundaries to it and still has consequences. So for every choice we make, it actually is leading us somewhere. That's how life works. You know that as you're trying to train kids, uh, they could choose their freedom. But if that choice is to hit a brother or sister upside the head, they had absolute freedom to do that. But they're going to get in trouble. Because there's a sense in which there, there's right or wrong. And so relativism is kind of coming from this perspective of everyone can believe what they want to believe and do what they want to do. But as soon as this enters into how we function as society, there really is no moral compass. It's very difficult to actually know, then how do you move forward? How do you, how do you relate? Because it's all just relative. It's all subjective. Everyone just decides for themselves. So for Christians, we actually need to use the power that God has given us to, to push that there is morality that exists. There is right or wrong that is found in the scriptures. And if the word of the Lord endures forever, it, it doesn't change. It's constant. It is always relevant, despite the culture that it's found in, despite where a society is. And so our role as a Christ follower is to do all that we can to point back to this truth. That there is something beyond just everyone deciding for themselves. There is someone who can guide us, and that, that is God himself. And so no matter where you are, if you're not a, a Christian yet, the reason this is important to you, because as you begin to follow Christ, you have to decide, just like all of us, 
Who has the ultimate say in what we do and how we think? For the Christ follower, it's God and his word that, that, that guides us. It has the ultimate say that determines what we will do and what we will not. And so if you're investigating Christianity, this is really important because there's a sense in which even in this area of politics, you have to decide that God's word will be what guides you. But this slide towards relativism is the very thing that just kind of makes this area of God and politics like, well, everyone just believes what they want to believe. And that, that's very true. But again, it has uh, consequences. As some of you know, I ruptured my Achilles a few months ago. And then I re-ruptured it. And if you were here at any of those times, uh, it was like the saga of Old Man River, me, right? Like something was always wrong. The second time I re-ruptured my Achilles, I was sitting on the beach and I was like 99.9% sure I had re-ruptured it. But there was a part of me that was telling myself, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't do it. I can't walk, but it's not ruptured. It's strained it's hurt and relativism is like the idea that if i went to my doctor and he says yeah you, you re-ruptured it and you're, you're going to need surgery because that that thing is completely torn and if i went to him and i said well i just i actually don't feel like it is i think it's still attached i think it's still good just a little sore i need to rest up could you imagine the conversation that we would have after that Reality is reality. Right? It doesn't matter how you maybe view it. It is what it is. And that's the same in, in life. Either there is this ultimate God who leads and a morality that he set forth, or there isn't. And so the Christians decided that, that he's real and he's involved and he wants to lead us. And therefore, we have to get on board with him. I want to shift gears and talk specifically about how this impacts government itself. Because all this is, is perspective, but what does that actually mean for how this is kind of involved in our daily lives and how we view those in authority? So if I were to divide the room of those of you who love authority over you and I had you raise your hand... Uh, who knows what number that would be? Now, if I said who like doesn't like authority and just kind of likes to be your own boss and you guys raise your hand and there'd be somebody like I don't raise my hand to anyone who asks me to raise <laughs> my hand. And then you're in your own special group. OK, but the idea of authority kind of gets, you know, you talk about God, you talk about politics. They talk about authority. This is just we're just cooking stuff right here. You know, the fire, it's growing. But. Authority, it's, it's all involved in this because ultimately that's what politics represents. Those who are going to be in authority who will lead us. But here's the truth. If God really is in control and his word endures forever and he wants to guide us, then what's the point of government? I don't know if you've ever wondered that. Well, then what's the point? Why don't we just each do our own thing and just let God lead us? We just kind of feel life and experience it. Well, actually, the opposite is true. God has actually established things through government for our good. And I want to spend a little bit of time uh, looking at that. 
First, God establishes all authority and works out his plan through it. For every society, many times they decide we are going to build our country, our culture, and what we want independent of anything else, including God. We're going to do what we want to do. We're going to be who we want to be. And no one has any say in that except this group of people. Those could be leaders. Those could be people that just try to fight for a cause. But as you dig into the scriptures, you find that any organization of people in authority, God is actually involved in. Again, nothing happens without God knowing it's happening. Nothing. And this is what the scriptures say in the book of Romans. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. The idea is obey the government. Okay. There are some limits to that. We'll talk about that next week. Now, anytime you say there's limits, everyone's like, yes, we want the limits when we don't have to follow. We'll talk about that briefly next week. For there's no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. And it goes on, I believe. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. And then let's show verse four. Do you have that on there? Okay, sorry. We're going to stay with verse three. <laughs> then do what is good and you will receive his approval. So there's a sense of God. God has established authority. No authority exists except which he's had his hand in, in putting in place. That's actually kind of crazy because many times I have thoughts like. God, where are you? You ever had like a a really hard boss ever? Or maybe even like a parent when you were upset at them. God, why? Why is this person in control of my life? You ever thought that? And the answer is because God put them there. And then once you kind of settle that, then you're, why? And that's actually where you need to walk with God to figure out why. Why did God put that authority over you? That's a great question. What is it that you need to learn? What is it that you need to do? What does it mean that you need to think? But every authority exists because God put them there. Now that has to be the case because God is ultimately in control. Nothing happens that doesn't flow through his hand. So this has a few implications. The first is every one of us needs to show respect for the person in position of authority uh, out of reverence for God. We're actually supposed to respect the authority because God put it there. We see that it flowed from his hand. The second is that I can trust that the Lord will be faithful to work out his plan uh, for my good no matter what. And. I don't know what that's going to look like in a specific case. It may be something that I'm facing really hard at work from a boss. It may be something that I face really hard uh, in 
our community because of the authority that's there. It could be something that we face really hard in our country because of the authority that's, that's over the country. We don't know. But a Christ follower never gives up hope because ultimately we follow God through the authority that he's put in place. And we, we trust him. And when you decide that, you, you actually begin to realize that this is not hopeless. No matter if the authority that's in place is the last person that you wished was there. And so God, God has, has established it. Now, there's a part of this that that being true, us being in America and the democratic society that we exist actually gives us as citizens a tremendous role that we can play. So we, we're subject to the authority, but at the same time, we can influence authority and we can influence society and culture for good. And just because authority is in place uh, doesn't mean that we just kind of sit on the sideline and allow God, okay, God, just do what you're going to do. We actually are a part of what God does. When you follow Christ, he uses you to influence others. It's a tremendous opportunity. And with that privilege that we have, there's a responsibility. And so in our country, we, we have a responsibility to, to engage for good and point people to the fact that God is the guide and his word endures forever. That's our role that he wants us to play. But in the country that we find ourselves in, here and now, in this society, we can use our freedom for good. Abraham Lincoln, you probably heard this before. It may have been like back in the day when you were doing speeches. But Abraham Lincoln said this, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth. That was at the Gettysburg Address. It's this idea that God has put authority in place. But we have a tremendous amount of responsibility we play in our country because the government of the people, by the people, for the people. Now, the last part, shall not perish from the earth. God is still in control and he will do what he will do. And so we do our part and we trust God to do his. And so part of that as a Christian, is that that's why we are involved. And that's why we should care about the direction where our country is going. That's why we should care about morality. That's why we should care about the truth that God has put in place to be a part of our society. Because here's the reality of that. You don't hear this a lot. But government works best when it matches up with God's unchanging truth. Government works best when it matches up with God's unchanging truth. So that's the exact opposite of relativism. As we slip into relativism, we slip into this idea that God's truth actually doesn't really matter as much. It's whatever I want. And if I get whatever I want, then I can do whatever I want to do. And then I'm happy. But we can all be really happy, but at the same time, really miss God's best for our life.
And so this idea is, is God is real. And what he says really matters. I'm going to read further in, in Romans 13. This is verse four to pick it up. It says, for he is God's servant, talking about the authority for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. So what this passage is going to describe now is that God has established authority and government to actually keep boundaries on how we should live. This is describing so we're not just kind of running crazy doing whatever we want. Uh, There needs to be structure. There needs to be this this moral boundary that keeps the laws of any society in in place and intact. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. Uh, This always reminds me, have you ever been driving on the freeway and you see like a CHP on the side? And you just go past them and you're like, do I put the brakes on now? Knowing he can see my brake lights. And there's that part. I always care about authority the most when I've done wrong. Yesterday I was driving on the freeway and there was a CHP pulled over and I just kind of went past. And I swear I was just looking at my rear view like, are those tires moving? You ever done that? You know, it's just that point like I'm guilty because I was going a little bit faster than I should have. Did he just turn his car on? Is he coming? And, you know, everyone does it. Everyone just passes. And they're just like, uh, which one of us is he going to get? Right? This is describing that. You, you're most fearful of authority when you're doing wrong. And that's actually a good thing because it's maintaining the boundaries. For he does not bear the sword in vain. Now, when this is written, the authorities had sort of like the Roman, you know, today it's lost on us a little bit. But could you imagine, you know, we have a debate and they're talking and someone says something they don't like. They just cut off a little piece of the ear, like kind of change the debates a little bit, right? But the sword, that was a part of just the rule. They were under this, you know, Roman rule. It was, it was, it was no joke. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For the same reason, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. I remember when I was like in college, I read this and this was like one of the low points. God said, I have to pay my taxes. Like I knew God's involved and he's real and involved in everything, but why that? But that's a part of contributing to societies. You, you pay taxes and you give to what you need to give to, whether that's honor, whether that's money, whether that's respect. And there's this picture. God uses the government to keep this moral boundary, but he wants his followers to influence government to make sure that that moral boundary is something that we're still considering. That it still is the thing that we, we want to guide us. And that's really the role of Christians. And we don't give in to despair. And you can't force anyone to do what they want, don't want to do. But the reality is, 
If you have to make a choice, we have to decide we are going to follow God in his ways because his word endures forever and his ways are right. And so government really should be like this, this plumb line that you measure morality against. And ideally, as a government or a society follows God in his ways, the better it will be. That's the truth. But as we've all experienced, that's not always the case. And that's why ultimately we still place our hope in God, despite who's in power, despite what's going on. And we use our influence for good. And like I mentioned, we're going to talk about that next week. So where does this kind of place us and what does this mean? Well, right now, the emphasis, again, in our societies on the individual. We're very individualistic. People just do what they want to do. I do what I want to do. You do what you want to do. And that feeds relativism. We just kind of do what makes sense to us. As long as we're not hurting anyone too much, it's okay. But our goal should be not just on individualism and doing what we want to do, but what is it that God wants us to do? And so I want to encourage you, if you follow Christ, one of the prime things that you can do in this season, as people are talking about the future of our country, as they're talking about policies, as they're talking about relationships, as they're talking about the different things socially that we should believe, know what the word of God says. And the only way to do that is you have to read it. Again, the scriptures have a tremendous amount of specific things about so many areas of life, from economics to marriage and family. So once you read it, that actually can form your beliefs. And as those beliefs become more and more firm, they can develop convictions. And as they develop convictions, you become a person that actually knows what you believe. And you actually can stand for something that reflects God and his will. That's a very, very powerful thing. So as we develop our own convictions about things, God uses that in society. As we influence our family, as we influence our friends, and even as we influence those above us, even as we influence those in government. Because once you discover what God's best is, you really want everyone to experience that. That's what it means to be a Christian. And if you've ever kind of been on the outside looking in at Christians, you think, why? Why do they care so much about other people? You ever thought that? Like, what? Why don't they just let everyone do what they want to do? Again, freedom has to exist. But at the same time, the Christian wants everyone to experience God and his ways because it truly is the best life. That's what a Christian believes. And to, so to strip the Christian, the Christ follower, from influence really goes against everything that Christianity is because it's saying that God and his ways, his paths, they are the best. There's no alternative. Following him is the best life, and we want everyone to experience that. And so that, that's what really fuels a lot of what we do. Now, we do that different levels, our involvement, the conversations we have. But no matter where you are, I, I encourage you to begin to become a student of the scriptures and find out what God's views of things are. Not what your, your parents said, 
not what your college professor says, not what your neighbor or anyone else that you relate, but what does actually God say? And as you do that, you can form beliefs which can, over time, form convictions, which can actually guide your life. That's very powerful. There's a quote. I don't think I have it on on the, the screen, but this process is actually how to form a, a worldview. And a worldview is, is how you look at life. It's the lens in which you look at life. And uh, Chuck Colson, he, he was involved in really trying to get people to focus back on mor- morality in, in our country. And he, he did many good things. Uh, he was actually arrested and was in prison for his role in the Watergate scandal. And God really got a hold of him, and he turned his whole life around. And he decided, like, I, I want people to discover God's, God's best and then see God's role here and now in, in culture and, and politics. And so he, he did a lot of, of great work. But he, but he said something about um, conscience, and I'm, I'm going to show it up here on the screen. Oh, I, I, we don't have it, do, do we? Sorry, these guys, I'm, I'm giving these guys curveballs all day. I'm like, show that! And they're like, I don't know what that is. Actually, could you put the screen up a little bit so I could see it? Or down? The other way. There you go. It says this. More important than your obligation to follow your conscience, he warned, or at least prior to it, is your obligation to form your conscience correctly. Oh, we do have it. Oh, that wasn't Chuck Colson. I'm sorry. That's uh, Scalia we talked about last week. This is me. This is not them. So more than important than the obligation to follow your conscience, he warned, or at least prior to it, is your obligation to form your conscience correctly. It's the idea you, you actually need to make sure that not only are you following what you believe, but is what you believe actually true. And that's, that's very important. And the only way to form the right conscience is allow God to speak into your life. And that can become your guidance. So there's a lot of wisdom in that. You have to learn to follow not only your conscience, but make sure that your conscience is correct. It actually takes a lifetime to do that. But it can begin by, again, getting to know God, his word, and seeing what he says about the issues. Another part of this is this can sound uh, like dogmatic, you know, and many times because of relativism, we want to stay away from anything that seems like it's, it's absolute because we want freedom. We want to kind of, okay, well, that's what you say, but this is what I say. But dogma is actually something that's very important if it's right and if it's true, because again, it, it forms the boundary for how we believe and, and how we act. And here's a, here's a quote by Uh, G.K. Chesterton says this dogma does not mean the absence of thought, but the end result of thought. It's the idea of something that's dogma, something that you believe in, something that you're willing to actually fight for can be a really good thing if you've taken the time to make sure it's worth fighting for. Does that make sense? In a society where no one wants to come across as saying this is the right way, this is true, that can actually be a really good thing if it's correct. So the Christ follower, they, they look at Jesus and his ways and say, your way is the best. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. 
And so I'm going to go your way. I'm going to follow what you say. If that becomes the basis of your life, it's okay to, for you to live by that because you believe it's true and you believe it's real. And it lines up with God's views and his standards. And so I, I want to encourage you, uh, wh- wherever you are, to begin to, to get to know um, the issues. Start off by, like, what, what is it that you view right now? Like, as you're thinking about politics and you're, all the issues that are being talked about, how do you know what's right? You ever thought about that? Like, as they're talking about things and as uh, candidates are debating, how do you know what's right? Like, what forms the basis of your own belief system? And so that might be just somewhere to start. What is it that kind of makes you believe what you believe? Where did that come from? So just ask that question. Wrestle with that a little bit. Why do you believe what you believe? Okay. Uh, there's also a handout, an extra handout in your program I want you to, to, to look at. If you've never really looked at the scriptures related to issues that politics talks about, whether that's social, whether that's economic, uh, whether that's even the, the government's role, we've provided a, a handout for you. And you can take this and on your own time, you can begin to look at what the scriptures actually say. And I, I encourage you to do that. Just. Read it for yourself. See if, if God speaks to you. That's what can help form your, your, your viewpoint of things. So ask God to speak. So I, I encourage, you, uh, encourage you to do that. So what is it that causes you to believe what you believe? And then once you kind of get to that point, begin to look. Well, what, what do the scriptures say about some issues? And begin to, to read that and, and wrestle with that. This actually takes work. It does. Anytime you have to engage with God's view of things, you actually have to find it for yourself. It's like mining for treasure. It it actually takes work. But once you do, and you put the time in, and you begin to develop your own views based on what God says, it's one of the most powerful things you experience. Because you, you have guidance. And God leads you. So I, I encourage you to do that. Uh, there's a couple next steps as I wrap up that, that you can take uh, today. Uh, the first is, uh, we talked about this last week, but pray for, for our leaders. Um, this includes the leaders that you have currently in your life, uh, whether that be at, at boss or whether that's at home or whether that's uh, school, where, wherever it is. Pr- pray for the leaders that, that are over you. And then specifically pray for the leaders of our country and, and our election. Uh, that's another way that you just look to God. You, you pray and you ask him to, to lead and, and to, to guide. And there's a scripture reference there, First uh, Timothy. Uh, that, that gives a kind of a good reference of how do you pray. And so you, you could look at that. We'll talk about that next week as well. And the second thing is uh, study uh, the Bible passages on the key issues. So that handout, uh, decide this week to, to read and, and to look at and ask God to begin to help form uh, some views of things and, and take the time to do that. That may not happen in one day. It may be something that you just need to work on the, over months. But, but, but I encourage you uh, to do that. Uh, one last thing I wanted to mention 
is uh, for members of Church in the Valley, we are having our membership renewal. And every year, the members of Church in the Valley uh, decide to renew their membership. And membership is really uh, joining the team at Church in the Valley, which is saying, you know, I, I want to uh, commit to Church in the Valley. I want to uh, do what I can to advance God's mission uh, through this church. And so we ask every year for people to do that. So it's an, it's an act of choice, and it's something that we renew. Uh, this past week, uh, Pastor Randy sent an email to all uh, members, and it had some information about uh, our statement of faith. And there's some things that we've always believed that actually weren't explicitly stated in our statement of faith. And in view of just where we're headed with relativism in our culture and society, we wanted to make sure that, that we're actually really specific about what we believe and why we believe it. And so I encourage you to, to read that statement of faith uh, as it relates to our views of marriage and family, uh, the sanctity of life, a gender identity. Take the time to, to do that, because, again, that's what God's views are and then how we are adopting those and allowing that to, to really be what we follow. And so I encourage you to do that. And if you're ready to renew your membership, uh, you can fill out that card and drop that uh, in the offering as that comes by. If you're not a member of Church in the Valley and you have no idea what I'm talking about, we'd like to give you information if you're interested in membership. And so you can check that on that renewal uh, card as well. So as I pray, uh, we're going to sing a song back to God and finish filling out those uh, connection cards, the membership renewal. And then uh, you can drop that in there as that comes by. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being our guide and being the ultimate source of authority. And you've chosen to work through humans and you put them into power. And God, help us to follow the authorities that are over us, to be faithful. Uh, And at the same time, God... I pray that we will use the influence that you've given us as we follow you to help people, to love people, and even to just lead and direct uh, in ways that we can to ensure that that we we still follow you and that we still base uh, what is true and real based on you and and your word. And God, as, as things don't look like they're heading in the right direction at times or as things look like just It's spiraling out of control. Give us just a reminder that that you are still in control. You are God. No one changes that. And you can be fully trusted. And so we thank you that that is true. And God, also, I pray for for all of us as we have just different views of things. God, will you give us the ability to see anything that we believe that doesn't line up with your word? Help us to see the source that we may rely on outside of you. And God, help us to begin to put the work in to really adopt your views of things. So we ask for your help in this. In the name of Jesus, amen.